Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. So I always have a title for my messages. And so if I had to title this message today, it would be titled, The Battle Belongs to the Lord. Can somebody say that with me? The battle belongs to the Lord. Amen. As I go around and my husband and I just want to give him a little shout out, y'all, I wouldn't be here without him. Literally, we wouldn't be here without him because he drove all the way from Jacksonville to Roswell, Georgia, and uh, he uh, tapped into Waze, which I learned was invented in Israel. If you didn't know, Waze was invented in Israel, and it took us on a detour where I can say I've seen every part of Georgia. My bones have felt every part of Georgia, but I just want to give him some a special love and a special shout out. So everybody say, "Hey, Gary." <laughs> well, one thing that I see. Whenever I'm traveling, whenever I'm speaking all over the world, whenever I'm talking to pastors and leaders around the globe, one thing that's common, one thing that cannot be denied, one thing that is abundantly clear is that there is a deep desire everywhere for revival. You see, this word revival is a word that since I was a young girl, it's been something that always intrigued me. You know, you would hear revival as, oh, is that a tent meeting? You would hear revival. Does that mean a bunch of people are going to be speaking in tongues and praying in the spirit? Or is somebody going to fall out? Does revival mean a bunch of people are going to get saved and, and come to know Yeshua as Messiah? What is this word revival? What does it really mean? And as God took me through a season around last year, and he said, daughter, I really want you to begin to study this word and understand it because there's something I want want to reveal to you about the battles that are happening, not just in your life, but specifically the battles that come against Messianic Jewish believers and those that stand with them. And as I looked at this word revival, here's what I found. I found that the definition of the word didn't quite meet my experience with the word. When I looked at the definition of revival, this is what I found, family. This is what it means. It means an improvement in the condition or strength of something. An improvement to the condition or to strengthen something. It means something that was old, something that was popular, all of a sudden becoming popular and important again. I said, wait a minute. Something that's old. So, so Lord, 
Revival doesn't mean new. It doesn't mean fresh outpouring. This word revival actually means bringing back something that worked or was popular and making it important again. And then the Lord said, okay, Petra, put a little pin in that there. He said, I want you to begin to study a specific revival. And I kind of looked at a couple different revivals, but the one he had me really focus on and emphasize was the Azusa Street Revival. How many of you are familiar, have heard about the Azusa Street? Well, if you haven't heard about this revival, in 1906, on April the 9th, this revival broke out in Los Angeles, California. And this revival transformed how people interacted with Yeshua. It transformed what the Gentile church was. It was the birth of the Pentecostal movement. It laid the foundation for even the experiences and the leaders that came from the Jesus movement. You see, this Azusa Street revival is one of the most foundational revivals to the faith. And the Lord says, Put a pin in that, Petra. I said, Lord, I'm running out of pins now. I mean, continuously put pins in things. He said, I want you to look up appointed times in the year 1906. I said, okay. And here's what I found. Passover, Pesach, began in 1906 on Monday, April 9th. I want you to hear me, family. I'm, I'm researching the most critical foundational Gentile church revival. And it started on the night of Passover. And then I brought back to, to mind, or it was brought to my memory, one of my messianic fathers, he said, you know, daughter, there's no word in the Hebrew for coincidence. There's words that try to kind of relate to it or mimic it. He said, test me if you think I'm wrong. There's no exact word for coincidence in the Hebrew because we serve an intentional God. Adonai is intentional towards us. He's intentional with us. And the Lord said, there's no coincidence. He says, I want you to now look again at the word revival. Revival means to bring back something that worked, something that was old but popular. He said, my appointed times, my Moedim that I gave to my people to remember me, to remind them of who I was, who I am, and who I am to come. My Moedim is something that's been around, but through time, the importance and significance of it started to fade. But here we see a revival taking place on the night of an appointed time that transformed the faith. He said, there is no coincidence. He said this, he said, the battle against my remnant, my believing, my messianic community, the battle is so heavy because within the movement, within the holding of the appointed times and introducing the nation to appointed times, within that are the keys to revival. I said, Lord, 
This is a trip. Most recently, Asbury Revival. The young man who gave the message on the day it broke out was a Jewish young man. Welch Revival, Brownsville, Toronto Blessing, so on and so forth, either on or around significant appointed times, at its core being influenced by significant Jewish people. You see, there's no coincidence that the number one thing that's desired by anyone who knows Yeshua is this thing called revival. But I believe revival in its true context to bring back what works, to bring back something old and make it important again, is found within what my Messianic Jewish brothers and sisters do every year. Honoring God's Moedim. Because of this, I believe there is an attack, a battle that rages in your lives that is heavier than most. I believe this attack doesn't just hit the Messianic Jewish believers, but it also hits those that support them. I believe that when we recognize the power that we have and the purpose that we have in Yeshua, it has the ability to not only diminish the attacks that we're experiencing, but to give us a hope, to give us a peace, and to give us a confidence of what God is doing and what's to come. If you can go with me to Hebrews 12, I want to look at verses 1 through 2. In Hebrews 12, this is what it says. It says, therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also get rid of every weight and entangling sin. Let us run with endurance the race set before us. How many of us have a race, a purpose that we know that God has called us to fulfill? Focusing on who? Yeshua. Focusing on the problem. Uh-uh. Focusing on our difficulties, uh-uh. Focusing on Yeshua, the initiator and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the tree, disregarding its shame. And he has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you may not grow weary in your souls and lose heart. You see, the Lord knows that there are battles that we as his children would be dealing with. He knows that there would be battles that would come against us externally. Difficulties in the world, difficulties in feeling at peace about things in the world. He knew that there would be battles raging within us, wrestles with depression, wrestles with anxiety, fear, feeling a sense of not having purpose or worth. 
You see, our father, Adonai, he knew that we would have battles that we would be facing. And he knew that in sending his son, Yeshua, he could give us an example of what it means to endure, what it means to stay focused, and what it means to not grow weary and not lose heart. One thing that I love about, you know, I, I, I tease sometimes my Messianic Jewish friends. Um, they also tease me because you'll see when I get to this scripture in a minute, sometimes I speak Hebonics. For those that don't know what that is, you know, there's a slang uh, that's that's titled Ebonics. Um, and sometimes my Hebrew doesn't come out the way that you probably have heard it before. And I like to call it a little bit of Gentile grace, you know, just give me a little bit of Gigi. So that, you know, when you hear some of these words, you you understand it's your sister. Just give us some grace. Just give us some grace. But one thing that I love and I kind of tease them about, I say, man, I say my Jewish brothers and sisters know how to remember. They know how to remember one gift that I feel that God has given to the Jewish people is the ability to remember in every um, uh, Arab Shabbat service or Torah service that I'm a part of. It's carrying out traditions that have been around beyond the, the amount of years we can count. And there's this beauty in remembrance. And so as I was going before the Lord about this message and, and this context of the battle belonging to the Lord and keeping our focus on the Lord, the Lord took me to 2 Chronicles 20. And I personally feel that the word of God is the most entertaining show that there is. I think the word of God is, I, I used to teach high school and I would tell my kids, if you want drama, if you want reality TV, if you want action and entertainment, get in the word. It's in the word. And this is one of my favorite stories because it's not only demonstrating the power of the Lord, but it's a reminder to us that the battle is not ours, it's the Lord. Go with me to Second Chronicles 20. And I'm going to go through it. And in some verses, I'm going to paraphrase. But for the most part, stay with me. Verse 20 says this. Now it happened after this that the, uh oh, here goes the Hebonics, the, the Moabites. I think I got that one right. And the Ammonites, together with other Ammonites, came to make war against Jehoshaphat. Uh oh. Some came and reported to Jehoshaphat saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Aram, and already in Hazan or Hazazan, Tamar, that is in Gedi. But they were letting him know, listen, brother, they're coming after you. They're coming after the people. At this news, verse 3 says, Jehoshaphat was afraid. How many of us have been afraid when we feel that we're surrounded by battles in our life? That our situation at home may seem impossible. Financial situations may seem impossible. Overcoming internal struggles may seem impossible. Overcoming addiction may seem How many of us have been surrounded by battles. He was surrounded and he became afraid 
So he resolved to seek Adonai and he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. So Judah assembled to seek help from Adonai. Indeed, they came from all the cities of Judah to seek Adonai. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of Adonai in front of the new courtyard. And this is what he said. Listen to this. He said, Adonai, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can stand against you. Look at this. Listen at this in verse seven. He's being a man of remembrance. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of your friend Abraham forever? They settled in it and built you a temple there for your name saying, if calamity comes upon us, the sword of judgment, pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you for your name is in this house and cry to you in our distress and you will hear and deliver us. How many of you all see Jehoshaphat? He was afraid. He acknowledged he was afraid. Enemies were coming on all sides. He was surrounded and overwhelmed with attack. But what he did in his moment of despair, his moment of fear was he fasted and he didn't do it alone. He called for his people to fast with him. And the first thing he did was he reminded himself of who God was. Come on, y'all, who God is and who he is to come. Verse 10 says, now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whose land you did not allow Israel to invade. When they came from the land of Egypt, instead, they turned aside from them and did not destroy them. Now behold how they repay us by coming to drive us out of your possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we have no power to face this great multitude that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are where? On you. We saw in Hebrews 12, keep your eyes on who? Yeshua, the author and finisher of our faith. We're seeing now in the old covenant. We're seeing in the new covenant. There is a power in focusing on Yeshua, focusing on Adonai, when we feel overcome, weary, or burdened by battles in our lives. Listen at this, verse 13. All Judah was standing before Adonai. Hear this, I love this part, with their infants, their wives, and their children. Even the babies weren't left out of this. He was so serious. He said, bring the kids because the Lord going to speak to somebody tonight. Verse 14, it says, then in the midst of the congregation, the Ruach, the spirit of God came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jeel, son of Mataniah, the Levite of the sons of Asaph. And he said this, listen, all Judah, listen, Beth Hallel and inhabitants of Jerusalem and Atlanta and Roswell. Listen, thus Adonai says to you, do not be afraid 
or be dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. When anti-Semitism is at an all-time high, when we see people terrified to leave their homes, God says, do not be afraid or dismayed because of these great struggles, this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but whose? It's the Lord's. Verse 16, y'all, it's getting good. Stay with me, y'all with me? It says, tomorrow, go down against them as they come up the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not fight in this battle. Take your positions, stand, and see the salvation of Adonai with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid or dismayed. Tomorrow, go out to face them, for Adonai is with you. So this is the part in my Bible where I say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Verse 17, you will not fight in this battle. You see, prior to all of these verses, I was like, the Lord's about to give some Thor Hulk-like power to the Israelites because they're going to fight. That's the only way they're going to be able to overcome this. But the Lord's saying, yeah, the battle goes, but you're not going to fight. Oh, take your positions. Okay. This means something. Stand and see the salvation of Adonai with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or dismayed. Tomorrow go out to face them for Adonai is with you. We're almost done. Listen at this, verse 18. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before Adonai to what? Worship. My God. To worship. 19 says, Levites from the sons of Kohath and the sons of Korah stood up to praise Adonai, the God of Israel, with a loud voice. Y'all, they're worshiping. They didn't get delivered yet. The enemies didn't go away yet. But their response to the word of the Lord was worship. We're going to trust you anyhow. Verse 20. <laughs> Early in the morning, they arose and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. Listen, family, as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in Adonai, your God, and you will be confirmed. Trust in his prophets and you will succeed. After consulting with the people, he appointed singers and praise dancers with ribbons and tambourines and the splendor of his holiness to go out before these people with weapons. He appointed the worshipers, the praisers, and said, go out saying, praise Adonai for his mercy endures forever. And then family, read it with me. At verse 22, it says, as they begin singing and praising, you can't make this up, it's in the word. Adonai set ambushes against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to exterminate and annihilate them. When they had exterminated the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. The enemies are fighting each other. Can y'all see it? 
I've never seen a movie like this. You can't make this up. Our God is so amazing. He's so intentional that he says, I'm the daddy that says, don't fight. Just worship me. Just praise me. Just trust me. I want you to stay focused because there's a light I need you to be for revival. This battle that you're facing is not yours. It belongs to me. And God is so good. The rest of the story says they not only watched their enemies turn against each other and God delivered them without them lifting a finger, they were able to take the plunder. They were able to get the money, the goods, the food, the clothes, the houses, the shoes. They were able to get all of the stuff from their enemies. There was an increase. You see, the Lord is saying tonight, he wants to break off that heaviness that some of you in here have been carrying because you're battle weary. If it's not one thing, it's another. Oh, Lord, it is what it is. Here we go again. The Lord is saying, no, I've given you life and life abundantly. And he's wanting you to see that the battles that wage against you are not to tear you down, but to increase his blessings and gifts in your life. You see, there are three key ingredients to making sure we surrender the battle to the Lord. The first ingredient is worship. Out of all the spiritual disciplines, when we pray, we're praying right about something. We're typically considering our circumstance or someone else. When we read and we study, we're, we're thinking and we're comparing it to situations around us. But true worship is about exalting God for who he is, and it removes us out of the equation. When we worship, it takes the focus off of us and puts the focus on him. That's the first key ingredient. The second key ingredient is community. The minute Jehoshaphat <laughs> got afraid, the minute he heard this news, what did he do? He didn't just say, I'm going to fast and go away in a cave. He called for all of his community to come and fast and pray with him. You see, we're better together, but when we're isolated, we become prey for the enemy. We need community. This third ingredient is an ingredient I love. It's from my favorite appointed time. It's rest. If we don't truly tap into the gift of rest that's given to us on tonight, on the Sabbath, on Shabbat, if we don't truly surrender in that rest and remember who he was, who he is and who he is to come, then we're taking the battle on ourselves. Whatever you may be facing, whatever you may be dealing with, know that Adonai has gone before you. For he fights on your behalf. 
In the midst of suffering, we must be reminded of this. This last verse, go there with me, James 1. Good old James, make it plain. James 1, I love the book of James. James 1, starting in verse 2, says this. Count it or consider it all joy. Some joy, all joy, my Beth Hallel family. When you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect work so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I have to stop right there. You see, when I was taught by one of my Jewish brothers, the definition of shalom, he said, shalom doesn't just mean regular peace, Petra. It means wholeness, nothing lacking, nothing missing. So let's read verse four again. And let endurance have its perfect work so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing and living in shalom. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all without hesitation and without reproach. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The Lord is saying. When you don't focus on me, when you don't remember that the battle belongs to me, we get tossed and stressed by the things in this life, by the struggles of this world. I, I can recall that the word says we're citizens of heaven. And that's a constant reminder to me that, Lord, yes, things may be happening. But how do you want to fight? How do I need to worship through this? Who do I need to call to help me focused? And how do I need to yield to the rest that you've given to me every week? God is saying, you know what battles you're carrying. We all have our unique set of battles. Could be health. It could be grief. It could be loneliness, it could be addiction, it could be turmoil in relationships, it can be self-disappointment. But the Lord is saying there's no battle that's too big. There's no situation that I can't fight on your behalf, but you got to trust me. You got to keep your eyes on me because the battle belongs to me. And for those of you who may be struggling with feeling worthy of the God of heaven fighting on your behalf, know this. We are his creation. And he delights in nothing more 
than us being desperately dependent on him. He created us, but he doesn't force us to love him. When we yield our battles to him, that's the greatest kind of love that a child can give a father. My dad's about to fight for me. Daddy got this. I used to think my dad was the Hulk. He ain't even six foot. But you can't tell a kid that may even start something, but no, my daddy's going to take it. The Lord says that. In closing, one of my favorite parts and the ironic blessing is, is this part at the end when it says, may the Lord lift up his countenance towards us. I used to say, that's odd. You know, typically we think about us lifting up our countenance to the Lord, right? And I heard this scholar say once, picture a parent lifting up a child. And y'all have all seen it or done it. You say, hey, little booger booger. Look at those cheeks. <laughs> You're raising them above their circumstance, their life, their environment. You're raising them above and you're exalting them. And you're letting them know in that lift, I've got you. And you've got to lift your countenance towards them to be able to do that. And when I hear that part of the ironic blessing, I think of Abba saying, family, Bethalel, let me lift you up above whatever it is you're going through. Let me turn my countenance upon you and say, hey, I got you. You can do this. Don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. I love you. have a purpose for you. And the battle's not yours. It's mine. Abba, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the surrender tonight. We thank you that as we enter into your Sabbath rest, that we will release carrying the battle we will release the feeling of of being alone and left to fight alone we will release the lie that you have forsaken us for you have promised to never leave us or forsaken us and Lord tonight on this Shabbat We tap into the truth. The truth in James 1. That you're working through every difficulty. A maturity. A growth. You're perfecting us. You're completing us so that we're whole in you. And Lord, we fix our eyes to you. We repent 
for being more concerned about what's going on around us than what you've declared over us. And Lord, tonight we receive the truth that our daddy fights for us. We surrender to you, Yeshua. We thank you for this. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethel family, please visit our website at www.bethel.com. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and Shalom.